because if you think about it, about three inches from your eye socket, there is a controlled explosion right. happening over and over and over again. Yeah. Welcome to the On The Edge podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, it's Scott Groves. And as you may or may not know, this uh, podcast, On The Edge podcast, is totally self-funded. And uh, although it's just a passion project, the mics cost money. Chris DeRosa, my uh, right-hand man, he costs money to put everything together edit the clips, do the audio, do the visuals. And uh, the only way that that happens is due to the money that we earn doing mortgages with Synergy Mortgage, the Scott and Dallas team, or more affectionately known as the Dallas and Scott team now, and through our coaching business, which is Consolidated Coaching. So please, if you're looking to do a mortgage, buy, sell, or refinance a house anywhere in the country, or if you happen to be a loan officer listening to this and you're looking for coaching to improve your business, please get in touch with us. Go to my link tree. Uh, we'll schedule an appointment to talk either about your mortgage consultation or your coaching needs, and we'd love to help because it's through those earnings that we are able to support this show. Now back to the podcast. So, you know, when people want regulation, right, if they don't think about if you're a criminal, right, like Pablo Escobar didn't go, hmm, I wonder if it's illegal to import cocaine into the United States. You know, like, mm, I don't know, right? No, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he did not care, right? And that's that's obviously a huge, you know, a, a way out there example. But um, criminals don't care. <laughs> they don't. So, yeah. you know. So what about, the, what about this argument? Well, in Australia, they did a voluntary, voluntary gun... Um, turn in then they effectively did a gun repossession so it's very 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 hard mm -hmm. to find own or get your hands on a firearm in australia so they do have less gun death now mm -hmm. they have more rapes and they have more knife deaths i looked this up the other day because i was having a gun debate with somebody else so you know there's a trade-off there like violence is going to present however violence is going to present but they do have less gun deaths because they basically got rid of all the guns so i i guess the question i'm asking this is how i feel I would have more respect for progressives. I don't even call them liberals anymore. I don't even call them Democrats anymore because I know a lot of level-headed liberals and Democrats. But let's just call the progressives. I would actually respect them more if they're like, hey, man, we're trying to eventually get to a point where there is no private gun ownership because we think that would make a safer nation. I'll be like, cool. Now we have something to argue about. But when we're arguing about whether or not this plastic piece can be on here or not, come on, dude. You're just being silly. Yeah, I mean, it's just throwing, it's their, it's just throwing them a bone. Now- one thing is for certain, we're not Australia. Like the, the, people often forget, and this is going to sound really boomerish, but um, this country was literally founded on revolution. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like it, the cat's out of the bag, right? This isn't like something we can just hit the reset button. Okay? Right. So I had a debate with somebody the other day as well. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I'll give up everything. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah. But the government can't have it. You can guarantee me the bad guys won't have it. And I'll also won't have it. Like that's my, that, those are my conditions. Right. Right. From a, from a farm loving dude, I will give it all up free of charge. If you can promise me those three things, right. Or those two things. Yeah. Yeah. The government won't have it. Cause I don't want them to be the only repository of violence. See, and, and the bad guys will have to magically give them all up. Right. I mean, it, it's the same thing where like, how, how come a, a congressman or, you know, public figure's life is more important than mine. Yeah. Well, right. because they, they're important. They got elected. Come on, man. Well, so no, first of all, no elected official will tell you that. And if they do, they're not getting reelected. Right, right. And second of all, why do they have that? Right. I ask people this all the time. Why does the president have secret service? Uh, it's to protect them. Well, no kidding. Right? Right, right. No kidding. You don't say. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. If I could afford, you know, 24 hour protective services, that'd be nice too, but I can't. Right. So I have to do this on my own. So I got to be real careful in the inv information I disclose here. Um, I will just say I have an acquaintance who does private security mm -hmm. and he does private security for a fortune 500 CEO mm -hmm. and this I don't want to get the sex of the CEO, the CEO's family. And he's like, dude, it's, it's crazy, man. Cause we've got a rotating guard of X special forces. All of us highly trained, highly equipped with firearms. Um, 
all 24-7 guarding this CEO and the family of four, I think they are. And he goes, I keep my mouth shut because they are raving, progressive, anti-gun, California-dwelling liberals. And he's like, your company... He's like, I, I, I've seen the contract. I know what I make. I know what the other four guys make. I know what the company takes off the top. Your company and you personally have set aside millions of dollars a year for private security with firearms. And he, he's like, they know that we're strapped all the time. We have, we have effectively a safe room in their house. We have firearms readily available at all times on our person in the house. And, um, and yeah. To everybody else, they're anti-gun. And he's like, it just, it doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Oh, yeah. So how often did you hear stories like this, right? Because like you, since you work at a, at a, in a gun store, you must, you must be like target number one for any of your more liberal or left-leaning friends. I, I've had people walk in saying, hey, I need to get a gun. You know, world's getting kind of dicey. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, but I, you know, like I wish we could just get rid of this whole thing. Like I'm not 2A at all. I'm like, so... Why are you buying a gun? Oh, to protect myself. Makes total sense. Cool. But, um, so my previous employer that I worked at, uh, it was a marketing firm. Um, but, you know, white collar, right? And the, the CEO, his wife, she's a typical, if you can imagine it, you know, Red Rock Country Club golfing four days a week, you know, type of woman right white blonde hair like the freaking poster child of like you know white collar and so she goes you know and she's very progressive but she goes you know what i want to go to the symphony right smith center like, okay cool yeah let's all go we'll meet up there you know and you know whatever and it'll be awesome so when we get there me and my buddy get there we work together and uh they never showed and so we called him. We're like, what happened? Like, oh, we pulled up. She got out of the car, felt it was too shady, and then we left and came back to our bubble in Summerlin. And I was like, interesting. You know? So it's just it's just odd because they'll vote for, you know, our rights to get diminished and we can't protect ourselves. But, you know, they can afford to live and enjoy places where there is ample security. Yeah. Right. So. My, my favorite is that uh, Los Angeles congresswoman who's like super anti-gun and then her house got broken into and she had to admit that several of her firearms were stolen because like you have to report that, especially in California where right. there's a registry. Right. So it was like, oh man, this is this is beautiful. You're the one of the most anti, you have to look up who this was, Chris. One of the most anti-gun like politicians on the LA City Council gets her house robbed and she's like, well, yeah, I had guns to protect myself. Thankfully, no one was home, so they just stole them and left and we didn't have to deploy them. But it's like, oh, so guns are okay when you want to protect your family, but right. but not when somebody else wants to protect their family and you got to score political points. I was like, come on, man. Yeah, it's just... You'll it's actually just like this. It was Karen Bass, who's now the... Uh, who's now the mayor the of mayor. Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. Like, she's effectively a communist. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yeah, the, I like it's. It's like the news. It's like the Babylon Bee just writes itself now. They don't even have to come up with jokes. You know, hypocrisy has always been a big thing in in you know the political world, and I get it, right? Like, you know, you're trying to get elected or whatnot, but it just you know it's it's just really frustrating at times. You know, like because we're sitting here, we have an AR-15. It hasn't hurt anybody, right? It's right, perfectly safe. Um, and people just crucify other people on that based on their beliefs, right? Yeah. So I want you to help me um, think through this, this idea. Um, I would not mind uh, living in a world where we don't regulate the firearm hardly at all, but we regulate the person, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we want to come up with a uniform, hey, Scott, this, is a, this can be a very dangerous, lethal piece of equipment that could be used to kill multiple people. So what we're going to do is we're not going to like judge this inanimate object, but Scott... You have to go through, same background check we already go through, um, more training like you do for your CCW, uh, maybe even a psych eval, you know, every five years. 
Um, you got to go through just extensive training. Uh, Sam Harris has compared this a little bit more to like having a pilot's license, right? Where we know if you get airborne in a plane, you can do a whole lot of damage to a whole lot of people, either in the plane or on the ground or crashing into buildings. Um, and so they, they do a lot more extensive, you know, continuing education, uh, lots of flight hours, lots of licensing, licensing per different type of plane that you want to fly. I would have no problem if there were standardized other loopholes I had to jump through to be a legal gun owner. But then if I do all of that and I want to buy a, lo a rocket launcher, you got to sell me a rocket launcher. Because like I've proved myself sane, trained, and like of good moral standing, good character. Now, there's some long-term flaws in that where maybe the government could start to determine who's morally or mentally fit to own a gun, and that does scare me a little bit. But I'm more like, hey, why is nobody on the grander political stage saying, hey, you know what? This piece of plastic and metal, this doesn't kill people. You know, a human being with bad intentions kills people, so let's filter by the human being. What would be, like, the pros and cons of something like that? Or have you ever thought through maybe some more like logical gun regulation surrounding the gun owner and not this inanimate piece of metal and plastic. So yes. And we have, so the issue, the thing is it's kind of like if you really enjoy something, for example, like cigars, right? You really enjoy it. But if you know, a, you know, uh, what is that cancer anti cancer like truth, right? Okay. What if they came out and was like, you know what? Like you have to pass a, physical eval every six months to continue buying cigars. How would you feel about that? I'd be a little bitter. Right. It did it, it suck, right? So it's kind of like the same thing with guns. We have this right, and the more you strip away from it, the more pissed off we get. Now, the reason why people are so mad about certain things, like the bump stock, for example. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody that ever had a bump stock. Can you explain what that is? Because so, I've heard it. I know what it is. I also don't know anybody who ever owned one. Right. So bump stock was they replaced the back of this where it moved. So when you pull the trigger, the recoil would, the gun would move and it would essentially take your trigger finger and, and bump your gun and make it fire super fast, like a full auto, right? Got it. Um, so it was a workaround to where semi-automatic, one trigger pull, one round, a bump stock would effectively allow you to pull the trigger so fast it was, that it was, it was right. closer to an automatic weapon. Correct, but it's still one round per trigger press, right? Got it. So nobody nobody I knew ever owned a bump stock. Matter of fact, I, I've never even seen one, right? Um, but when they banned it, we were all up in arms, and this is why. Not because I care about bump stocks. Matter of fact, I don't really care that they're banned or not. It was because when you start letting the other side win, Right. And this is very black and white. I know there's not, you know, one side to next, but if you let the other side win any victory, it's a snowball effect. Right. Okay. Um, and that's what, that's what essentially frightens gun owners. Right. So yeah. if I go, Hey, you know what, even if I think your idea is great, even if I'm like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. I can't trust the other side to keep up their end of the bargain because if they don't, there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. Right. And this is why the two sides are so fierce the way they are. That's why we're like, you know what? This this can't happen. Matter of fact, I don't care about this. I much prefer to have a stock, to be fair, to be frank, right? Right. Um, it just looks cooler. Looking cool is half the battle, right? Right. Um, so this, like in my mind personally, you know, I don't really care. I was planning to SBR it anyway. But it just frustrates me because if you give them an inch, they're going to try to take the mile. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because the argument in California for the longest time was, hey, all we've got to do is get rid of high capacity magazines. If you can only have a magazine that, that holds 10 rounds, that will be enough like on this AR platform. If you can't load this with a 30 round or a hundred man round magazine and go shoot up a mall, that saves the problem because by the time you could reload, somebody could shoot you back or whatever Whatever the rationale was, it was like all we've got to do is get the magazine capacity from 30 down to 10. The second that that passed the law, they're like, well, maybe we should only have five-round magazines or maybe we should outlaw this altogether. Oh, you know, the only thing we have to do is put this little button on here called a bullet button where you can't quick release the magazine. You got to have a pen or a little utility tool to release the magazine and take that out because that makes it less tactical and less warlike. Okay, all right, fine, whatever, put the bullet button on. Oh, that wasn't the end of it. As soon as the bullet button was on, it was like, well, now you've got to break down the whole weapon to unload the magazine. Right. It just never ends. I mean, yeah. that's that's the... 
that's what progressivism means. They have to keep progressing towards whatever they think the utopian outcome is. So I understand your like hesitancy to give an inch because we have ample proof that they always want to take the mile. Always, every single time, especially when it comes to gun regulation. So I, I get that. I'm just, I'm trying to find some happy medium where maybe we can more closely regulate the gun owner and not necessarily the gun because all of that is just, it's it's just a circle jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, right. and people don't look at, so I, I like to give people this example, right? Look at Mexico, our neighbor to the south, right? It's a freaking wild, wild west down there, you know? Um, and that's because people don't have any other choice, right? Explain what you mean. For example, like if I lived in a world where I cannot protect myself, the person, whether it be the government, whether it be, you know, a drug kingpin, whether it be some homeless guy with a weapon, they control the narrative. A great example is 9-11. When those guys took the plane with razor blades, there was not a goddamn thing anybody could do about it. I mean, people tried, right? But they had a weapon. Didn't have to be a gun, but they had a weapon. Yeah. Right? So at the end of the day, like this, this doesn't matter, right? But they keep trying to do, they keep trying to change this to make it seem like they're doing something. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. just what frustrates the gun community. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy is I have talked to a lot of people that have done, um, uh, that have done special forces work in Central and South America. And they're like, yeah, guns are illegal, but I can tell you where to get one within being in the country for 48, 48 hours, maybe 72 hours. I'll have to source something. But the idea that like you can't buy a gun in Mexico is like, no, you can't buy a gun legally in Mexico. You can buy a gun in Mexico. Um, and the problem is because it is harder for people to legally obtain firearms, guess who the only people that have them? The government, which is the sole repository of violence, and then the cartel, which is just paying off the government so that they can commit their violence, uh, which doesn't seem like a good plan. No. Yeah. Um, so. What What is your favorite part? We've talked about all the negative stuff. What is your favorite part about being a firearm owner? Like, what do you like to do for fun, quote unquote, with firearms? So here, I got it. Oh, cool. So um, they're just, <laughs> it's just really fun. I mean, uh, shooting guns... When I shoot guns, it's not about, you know, a lot of people think it's such an evil thing, but to me, it's like when people buy really fast cars and drive really fast and they get yeah. that rush, that's like me shooting a gun. Yeah. It's just really fun, right? And when you watch, so for example, like um, John Wick, right? When you watch that movie, it's fun. Like it looks really, really cool, right? Whatever he's doing. And when I shoot guns, that's just how it is. Like you, you, you watch entertainment, you play video games and you go out to a range and you, you buy a gun and you shoot and you're like, this is awesome. Like, it's just something fun. It's just a hobby. People just villainize it or they take it. We're like, oh, you know, there's the other side where, oh, you have to train and you have to, you know, be prepared for the end of the world and, you know, do this and that. And I'm like, dude, just have fun. Like, yeah. You know, just shoot targets, shoot yeah, plays. Exactly. Like to me, there's nothing more fun. I don't know why. It's like, maybe it's the little boy in me who just wants to break stuff. Yeah. Um, there's nothing more fun than shooting clay pigeons. Yeah. It's awesome when you shoot it. And yeah. Something yeah. about seeing that clay pigeon just like disintegrate and be like, yeah, I did that. Did that with a firearm. Pretty cool. Like reach out and touch somebody from 30 yards away while it's flying in the air across my vision. Um, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, and I, have you ever taken somebody shooting who didn't enjoy it? No. I've taken one person. Unfortunately, it was my wife. She does not enjoy it at all. But I've taken so many, and like some hardcore anti-gun people, I've mm -hmm. taken them shooting, and they're like, I totally get it, man. That was oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Oh, yeah. Tell, yeah, tell me about some experience you've had there. So I have a really good friend that lives in um, Monterey Park, right, in California. Oh, Chris, and, Chris's older brother is going to be fire captain there one day. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, he is a fire captain he there. He's going to be he's gonna be the battalion chief and run that whole thing one day. He's a... He's been in Monterey uh, Fire Department for 20 years. Anyway, side note, sorry. Um, no, I mean, she's really hardcore left. and uh, But, you know, we keep it cordial. We just don't talk politics, right? But, you know, when she comes out here, I, I take her shooting. And it's funny because she'll love it. Like, she just, she just loves shooting. And then, you know, they had that shooting um, Chinese New Year in February. Mm. 
right? Do you, did you see that on the news? Mm-hmm. And her mom goes to those dance studios. And so I called her when I saw it. I was like, hey, you guys good, right? She's like, yeah, it's fine. Thank God. And then I was like, uh, you know, have you been thinking about, you know, buying a farm just in case? She goes, oh, no, 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 no. You know, nothing will change her mind, right? But she loves shooting. She'll come out here and we'll, we'll just go and she'll just shoot all my freaking ammo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it hurts me a lot, but you know, for her, it's all it's right. It's not cheap anymore. <laughs> no, it's not. But you know, I, I take people all the time that, you know, are new or, you know, they have this misconception of like, you know, if they pick this thing up, they're going to turn into, you know, some evil person and they end up enjoying it. Whether they buy one or not, that's not up to me. Right. It's yeah. a free country. Right. I don't tell you what to buy or not buy. Don't tell me what I can't buy or not buy. Um, but, uh, you know, I've never met anybody that was like, I hate it. I even t- I've taken people that, you know, like they didn't shoot it correctly or whatever, but they still had a blast. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's just some, and if you, if you've never shot a gun, then you can't possibly know what it's like. So you can't right. judge it. Right. Right. Um, so for the people that are like, Oh, you know, I would never want to just try it. Yeah. You never know. Right. So I tell her all the time, just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so you've already mentioned that like when somebody says, Hey, what's the first gun I should buy? You always say an AR-15. Can you talk a little bit about the price range of AR-15s and like, what are, what are the steps? So a friend of yours says, Hey man, I, I've, I've shot a gun once or twice with my uncle back in the day. I don't know shit about guns. Uh, I want to get started. What should I buy? How much am I going to spend? And like, what training should I get? Like, how, how do you advise people when they're, when they're noobs? So the first question I always ask is, you know, is it for concealed carry or home defense? Now, right. nine out of 10, it's for home defense. Right. And then they always want a pistol or a shotgun. And I always tell them very politely why they should buy an AR. So you buy a pistol. The issue is when you buy a pistol and let's say, you know, kids, wife in the house or whatever, um, and you have your gun, but suddenly you don't need your gun anymore. And you're standing there in your underwear and tank top. What do you do? Well, you can't put it down. That's unsecured, right? So now you have to hold on to a gun while you pick up your kid or open a door or pick whatever you have to do. Uh, shotgun. Uh, so that's why I don't recommend a pistol for home defense because it's just very hard to stow. Yeah. Right. Um, now, a shotgun I don't recommend because strictly on ammo capacity. Now, you'll get those guys be like, oh, I have buckshot, like, you know, whatnot. But at the end of the day, you got seven max in your shotgun, tube yeah. fed shotgun. Well, unless you buy the Keltec I just bought, which has 16. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's a different well, story. So, no, let's just say 16. That's okay, too. So, your max is 16. Right. Like, that's your max. Not only is it loud, but the recoil sucks. Yeah. So, let's say if you're not prepared for it, I have seen a shotgun pop somebody's shoulder out of the socket. Okay, so in the stress of the situation, I can't guarantee that you'll hold that thing like you're supposed to. So there's the shotgun and it's loud and you'll need new drywall 100%. Right, right. Um, And then I say AR-15. They're like, why? It looks so, it's too much power. Well, first of all, if somebody's in your house, there's no such thing. I'd shoot an Abrams at them if I could. Okay, (laughs) like you're in my safe space, dude. This is where I sleep. This is where I, you know, do my business. Like you don't come into my house uninvited. Right. Period. Um, so I say AR-15, why? Because it's relatively lightweight. Um, yeah, this is what? Seven, eight pounds? Yeah. yeah. So relative, right? Uh, you have a 30-round magazine, which is standard, and then yep. you can attach a sling, which you had on before. I just took it off. But you have a sling. So you, you put that sling on. You know, you're doing whatever you need to do. But if you need your hands, all you have to do is drop your gun. And it's always in your control, which is the most important thing. Right. Right. A lot of times accidents happen because people are careless. Yeah. You know, so they, you know, like, for example, a pistol, like you don't need it. You put it down like you're tending to your kid or, you know, whatever the case might be. And you turn around, you forget that it's sitting on your kitchen island. Right. That's just totally loaded, unsecure. So I always tell them AR-15 because it's easy to shoot and you've never shot one. Go shoot one. You'll see what I mean. It's easy to shoot, low recoil, high magazine, because I don't want to worry about reloading. And you have a sling and you have a way to stow your gun when you don't need it. It's just the perfect firearm to have. You know, it's funny because people see <clears throat> people see the movies <clears throat> and they see a <clears throat> excuse me they see a, a a fifty caliber right on like the top of a Humvee. Just dah, 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 dah. I mean, it's scary as hell. Recoil, it's bouncing the the truck off the ground. Um, I remember in basic training in the army, there was a few guys that had never shot a gun before, right? Until like you show up for base training, you literally never shot a gun. The the M sixteen version of this. Or M, yeah, we had the 
Uh, we had the, the M16, M14. No, no, we had what's the what's the smaller one? The M M4. M4. We had M4. Yeah, we had the M4s. Anyway, they look kind of scary, and people are like kind of like anticipating the recoil of the shot. I remember our drill sergeant made like the three guys that kept anticipating. They were pulling their rounds and they couldn't zero their weapon. They made them stand up, place the buttstock against their balls, yeah. and shoot the gun just to prove how little recoil there is on an M4 or an AR-15 or uh, an M16. And it was hilarious to see these guys absolutely terrified. The drill sergeant's like, put it against your balls. And they're like, what? And they're like, put the buttstock against your balls and pull the trigger. And then you'd see these guys like just terrified because it's a very unnatural shooting position. And then you have the end of a firearm, the back end of the firearm right. up against your balls. And then they'd shoot a couple rounds and be like, oh, that's not bad. And then they pocket it in their shoulder and they're totally fine. And they get it. But there's with the buffer spring on these, especially the longer ones with a fixed stock, there is almost no recoil on an AR-15 at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can shoot it all day long and you won't feel it in your shoulder the next day. So great tool, especially for women. Like, yeah. like um, you don't, you don't have to be particularly strong or have a lot of upper body mass to manipulate one of these. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So talk us through price and then like training. So typically on now you can buy anything, right? You can buy an AR 15 for like three, 400 bucks on the market these days, but don't do that. And the reason for that is because I always tell people it's like airline pilots, like you mentioned earlier, right? Do you want the guy that just got his license to fly over the Atlantic? Right. Or do you want no. the guy that's been flying that route for 20 years? Yeah, I want that guy. <laughs> right. So price does correlate in quality up until about the three four thousand dollar range. Whoa. <laughs> so typically, I, I bought a lot of guns. Let's talk about <laughs> this. Talk about the quality from three hundred to three thousand because I don't own any three thousand dollar AR fifteens. So there's typically, I think it's uh, there's five tiers. I don't for, I don't remember what they're. Oh yeah, so it's S at the very top, A, B, C, and D. Oh, okay. These are real tiers. I, I didn't know this, by the way. I'm, it's a metric that the community has come together and okay. voted on. So, you know, your your most bottom tier, uh, like your D, is guns that you should never buy. Got it. <laughs> Do we want to use some brand names or is that... Uh, so, like, you know, guns that have a lot of issues, like, for example, Radical, right? Okay. So, Radical, they've apparently they've cleaned up, like, the past couple of years, but their guns were notorious to you know, for being out of spec Got for, it. you know, like not feeding properly. And I think they've, with the new CEO, I think they've moved in a new direction, but track record statistics say everything, right? Right. And then the higher you go, so typically people, that what I recommend for self-defense is either tier A, tier S. So tier A guns like this, Daniel, for example, you have a price range between like 16, 1700 bucks to about $2,200. If my wife asks, $500. 100%. Yeah, $500. You got Everything. a deal on this I got a deal. One. I remember I, that. Yeah, I did yeah. not pay $1,600 no, for this. No, I no, no, $500. No. Yeah. And you got asks. a rebate too. Yeah. But, Luck, um, luckily, my wife <laughs> luckily my wife does not watch the podcast, so she will not know how much this firearm cost me. Uh, Karina, if you're listening, it cost me $500. All other citizens, $1,600. Yep. Yep. Um, so you have that tier, right? And which is good enough for... 99.9% .9 of the people. Matter yeah. of fact, 100% of the people. And what, what goes up with the price? Like what quality components go up with the price? So great question. That is engineering. So Got this it. gun right now is mil spec, which is the specifications to this is what the military has specified or used. So it's built on that mil spec, but stronger. Got so, it. you know, for example, they mounted this rail a different way. So it's a lot more sturdy. Like you have better metallurgy, you have a better bolt, you have better quality control. Um, you have a better barrel. It's all in-house. In Daniel makes a great rifle. So this is a solid rifle that anybody can use and you can trust your life with it 365 days. Of the right, year. right. What I, I've, I've shot some cheap AR-15s and frankly, some 30-year-old M16s. They just feel a little bit cheaper. And granted, this is newer, so everything's nice and tight and compact. But this just, what, the rounds that I put through this, this just feels sturdier, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so a lot of, there's this huge misnomer in, or misconception in the gun industry where we call them as good gang. <laughs> as good gang. Yeah, so like people that will buy, you know, a $400 rifle and be like, why would you buy that? This is just as good. <laughs> right. Right. Um. And the reason why you buy something like this, especially for home defense, especially for home defense, is that it's like 
I like to compare it to anesthesiologists, right? They get paid way too much money for what they typically do. The reason why they get paid so much is not because of 98% of the time they're working. They get paid because in case that 2% where the patient doesn't react well to the anesthetic, they know what to do. Right. Right. Because right. once you go under, you might not wake up. Yeah. You don't want to be minus anesthesiologist. Correct. Yeah. So the reason why they get paid so much is because of that 2%, not the 98. So it's the same thing with guns. The reason why I would rather pay 16, 1700 bucks for an AR-15 versus a three, $400 AR-15 is because I know when I pick this sucker up, it's going to work. Right. Right. And, and this is why, you know, price does correlate with quality. Got it. Typically when you buy S class stuff, there's engineering differences you know they've done different things to the gun to make it cycle better to make it more robust but it's not quite necessary those guns were always designed with socom in mind so socom would would approach for example knights right and be like hey explain who socom is so um special operations command got it um you know so they oversee you know jsoc like uh, navy, navy seals, seals Delta stuff Force, like that. all, all the, 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 the all cool the guys the secret yeah, yeah. squirrel shit yeah exactly the cool guys um, By the way, shout out to Clay Martin. If you haven't listened to our interview with Clay Martin, Chris, we're going to have to link to that because he is one of those secret scroll guys. Yeah. And he'll say the same thing. He'll be like, dude, don't spend more than like 1500 bucks. Like all, all the Gucci stuff. You, you don't need it unless you're like swimming underwater and your life depends on it. Right. Yeah. So that brings me, that brings me to my point is that like when you <laughs> buy Knights, for example, those guns were always designed with the specific mission in mind. Right. right? So they were like, hey, we we need to send our guys out to do this job and it cannot fail. And they're like, okay, right. cool. We'll create it and then we'll give it to those guys. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, those guys get all the credit. Right. Right. So for example, when, you know, um, Zero Dark 30 came out and everybody was watching what guns they used, it was insane. Right. Like everybody went and bought those. Do, the, do you need that? Right. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> when, you're, when you're doing like an, uh, an on-target action for Osama bin Laden or taking out terrorists in an airplane, it has to be perfect every time, one million percent of the time. Right. If you have a jam on this firearm, which I have never had a jam on yeah. this firearm, but if you did, actually I had one because I uh, I misloaded around, like I just it was fed too far forward. Um, you can clear it pretty fast. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be perfect every time. Yeah, um, until it does have to be perfect. I actually I don't think I've ever on this gun. I don't think I've ever had a misfire. Typically, they'll be either user-induced or equipment issues. So, like, bad magazines, bad ammo. But the yeah. gun itself, like this gun, I, w I would take it to, you know, I would take it to the end of the world. It'd yeah. fine. Yeah. All right. All right. So, now we've got uh, AR-15, unless you have some other very specific case use. Somewhere under 200 grand. Uh, 200 grand. Somewhere <laughs> under two grand. Uh, under two grand. I, I usually deal with mortgages, so 200 grand sticks in my mind. Somewhere under two grand, you can get the firearm and all the setup and stuff. And then what about training, right? Because, like, I know so many people after the protests from a couple of years ago in our summer of love. Um, I know so many people that bought a firearm. They maybe shot it once, and now it's in a lockbox or under a bed or in a drawer or something like that. Just horrible use of a firearm. What, what training do you recommend people get up front and then ongoing? So I don't, I recommend uh, formal training. I always yeah. do. But I understand people don't want to pay 400 bucks and train an entire Sunday or Saturday on something like that. It's not their priority. And I get it. Um, what typically, what it comes down to is brass on the ground. So what I mean by that is just get rounds downrange. Right. If you can commit going to the range once a month and shooting, I don't know, 150, 200 rounds, you're better than 90% of the people that are going Yeah, which will take you less than an hour. 100%. You just load on your magazines while you're smoking a cigar, go to the range, pay your 20 bucks, put up a couple targets, and just put 10 magazines down round, or down range, 300 rounds. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be in and out in an hour. Yep. And now this is with the idea of shooting at a target. Right. So shooting at dirt doesn't count. <laughs> right, right, right. People do that all the time. They go out to the desert here and they'll just shoot at rocks and I'm, that, that doesn't count at all. Right. Uh, so, you know, brass on the ground, that's what makes you a proficient, you know, user in firearms. It's just getting hands-on experience. It's like driving. Well, theoretically. Theoretically, the more you drive, the better you should be. Yeah. It's not always the case. But yeah. I say it's more like golfing. Sure. Well, like, 
Like people that, yeah. pe even people that are really good golfers, they got to go to the range once a week, whack a hundred balls at the driving range and yep. then be like, cool, I'll play this Sunday. I'll play in a month or whatever. But like, I, I know a few people that have tried to tell me, they're like, well, I just don't have time to train or get to the range. I'm like, bro, you play golf twice a week. That shit takes four hours. <laughs> plus you throw on a few beers at the end. Yeah. You smoke a cigar at the end. You shit around with your friend. You're like six, seven hours once or twice a week to golf. You got time to get to the range and put a couple rounds down range to stay proficient in something with something that could save your life. Oh, like, yeah. give me a break. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So what, what are some trainings that you like? Like, whether they're locally or some national people that you like? What are, if somebody's looking for training, there is a lot of charlatans out there, unfortunately. Who, who would you look to or like, what what programs or certifications or like type of people would you look for? So before we go into rifles for pistols, well, I get this question a lot. Just shoot competition. It's a great community. You go there and you're forced to shoot. And you're yeah, forced what is it? To, UCSF or something like uh, that? Uh, it's U USCC. No, sorry. Not USCCA. Um, oh, USPSA. USPSA, yeah. yeah. USPSA. Yeah. Uh, United States Practical Shooting Association, I think. USPSA. SA. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, we'll, we'll link to them as well. Chris, put the uh, USPA, USPSA there. Because yeah. I've gone to a couple of their events here yeah. and it's great, man. There's oh, just yeah. like a bunch of gun loving badasses who will teach you, oh, your grip's a little off. Like oh, they, yeah. they can't help but help teach you. It's an awesome community. A lot of people are, um, you know, very adverse to doing that because they think they need to be good, but it's not the case at all. I yeah. know it's competitive in the name, but it's a great community. It's, it's awesome. And you get to meet a lot of cool people. Uh, for rifles, typically, um, I like to take courses. So I'll go online. For example, um, uh, most recently, Bear Solutions, B-A-E-R, uh, Drew at Bear Solutions. He, you know, he was a former team guy, you know, taught at, uh, I believe he taught at, let's see, uh, you know, U.S. Marshall, stuff like that. I forget if it was Fletzy or Glencoe. I, I don't remember. But, um, you know, he does a good basic rifle course and he does a level one level two and it just he teaches you fundamentals right but at the end of the day if you take courses you never practice it doesn't matter doesn't matter yeah yeah it does matter um shout out to uh mike glover at fieldcraft survival i've taken a few of their courses actually i'm taking one of their ar classes here uh next month nice uh they're going to be out at the uh the las vegas gun club here and then i took um uh, haven't been able to take one of Tim Kennedy's courses yet, but I know a bunch of people swear it by them, uh, by his team. And then if you want some real badass private training, Clay Martin out of Oklahoma kind of covers that whole Texas to the to the Florida Panhandle area. He does some amazing one on one training, some group training, not cheap, worth every penny. Like it's really really great stuff. But if you're gonna own a firearm, guys, please go to the range. Like you said, put brass on the ground. Yeah. Like, get some training, get some follow-up training. It's not that expensive. I mean, you can probably even find, like, a range expert for 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour to, to walk you through your first couple of lessons. So, 100%, yeah, but with everything, just like everything else in the world, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, also, there is bad info out there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 100%. So, you must, you must be able to validate your instructor. Right. So there's a lot of guys. I meet them all the time. Oh, yeah. I was a, <laughs> I had a guy the other day tell me, yeah, I'm a real operator. I'm like, that's cool. He's like, no, no, like a real operator. I'm like, first of all, I've never met an operator that says I'm a real operator. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, so you have to be able to validate, you know, the guys that you talk to and yeah. see what their credentials are. Right. So, like, a good example is like my Glover, right? That dude. He's been there, done that. <laughs> so, yeah, legit guy. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, so, you know, you take a class with him, you're going to learn a thing or two. Yeah. It, it, like you said in golf, right? If if Tiger Woods was like, hey, I'm going to teach this class, you're going to learn something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, just even with this on an AR class that I took, and I don't want to point at the camera because it just feels rude, even though there's no safety concerns. Um, they were saying, okay, your sights go out. Everything fails. Like, at a bare minimum, hold the rifle like this and just point your left trigger finger. Everybody grew up playing cops and robbers with their hands. Right. Like wherever your finger points, if you have your finger aligned on the side of the barrel, 
that's roughly where the round's going to go. So yeah. if if nervous energy takes over, if you can't find your red dot, if everything's going wrong, just point and shoot with your finger like you would cops and robbers. You'll get damn close. You'll probably get center mass more or less. I was like, oh, I, I never thought of that concept. And they were talking about how like in uh, close quarter combat and stuff like that, a lot of times it's just as quickly as you can present the firearm and shoot. So like you just want finger pointing the right direction and get some rounds down range to either shoot somebody or get them to take cover. And I was like, oh, like, duh. Like I I, ne I served in the military, but I never shot at anybody in anger. And that's not something that I would have ever learned because I never had to clear buildings in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, so just little like little techniques like that. It's like, oh yeah, that makes so much more sense. And it makes the, the presenting of a firearm in a dangerous situation so much more natural and easy to think about. Yeah, and that comes with taking classes. Right. Or, or, you know, doing research, right? So um, it's just so important to know how to use your firearm effectively. Because if you ask, so for example, when you take that class with Mike Glover, right? Ask him, what was he thinking when he was in a firefight? What was he thinking in the first 10 seconds, right? And his answer should be, from the guys I've talked to, um, he wasn't literally muscle memory, right? Gun came up and he did what he was trained to do. So it's like everything else. If you, if anybody's ever been in any type of high stress situation, doesn't even have to be with a gun, your instincts take over. Yeah. And that's where the practice comes into play, right? So if you practice and you're efficient when the time, God forbid, ever have to come, right, you'll be able to get on target. Yeah. Love it, man. What are some other things that you've learned that have been kind of a surprise working in the gun industry? Because I know you came from like white collar marketing kind of nerdy <laughs> background, right? Yeah. And then like now you work in the most alpha male like bro community there is. What would have been some eye-opening things that you've learned about either gun ownership, the gun community, you know, things that you've learned about firearms that you're like, oh, that's, that's actually pretty interesting. I didn't know about that. So the gun community in itself, the the more badass somebody is, for lack of a better term, the more humble they are. <laughs> like, I've met some dudes that have done some crazy things, and they are just super humble, you know? And so it's a huge red flag for me when somebody's like, oh, yeah, like, I did this and that. I'm like, okay, sure. Right, right. <laughs> red, Yeah, red flag should be going off yeah, immediately. Bells and whistles. Oh, yeah. yeah. So typically, like, the guys that are really into this, they're super humble, super nice, super willing to help. It's not all that, like oh, yeah, this is, you know, my way or the highway type of deal. No, they're really open-minded and they're really nice dudes, and they just love shooting and being able to teach and stuff like that. One of the biggest things I learned about, you know, the gun itself is that there's a lot more physics to it than I initially thought. Hmm. You know, I thought, hey, you know, bullet goes out, gas goes back, bolt cycles, you're good. And essentially that's exactly what it does. But just learning how like the, the physics and the mechanics of this and something so simple that's held in by two pins uh, is outstanding. I mean, it's just, it's a marvel. It's an engineering marvel, like yeah. with what they've been able to do. So for example, like, I don't know the PSI rating on this, but for example, on a 50 cal, right? Like a Barrett 50 cal um, sniper rifle and you put your head down right next to the chamber and you pull that trigger, there's approximately 50,000 PSI that that chamber holds, right? So that explosion is 50,000, and then it cycles the round, all in a matter of, you know, nanoseconds, right? Right. Because it can't, the bolt can't open until the pressure has decreased enough so it doesn't explode in your face. So the fact that they can engineer something like that yeah, and make it safe for a human being to shoot without, you know, exploding. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think about it, about three inches from your eye socket there is a controlled explosion happening right. over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I never really thought of it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you'll see, so like, for example, when you buy those cheap ARs and you can find these online, when the QC isn't there, there was an incident where this was out of spec. And when the person shot over and over again, this came loose, the bolt shot out the back and hit them in the stabbed arm. Stabbed them in the arm. Yeah. Oh, that's a bad day. Yeah. I mean, you're holding a... I mean, you're holding a you're holding something that's you know, firing off rounds you know right next to your face. It's like driving a car. A lot of people don't realize. Well, I still drive a combustion car, but a lot of people don't realize like when you rev or when you drive, like there's a bunch of <laughs> explosions yeah, happening yeah, yeah. like right in front of you. Totally. You know? So yeah, 
Yeah, that's fascinating. Because you and I had about a, a 30 minute conversation about uh, cams, um, a suppressor. Can you explain what a suppressor is, what it does, and what it isn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, unlike the movies, right, it doesn't make this gun super quiet. So, 223556 five, gets its lethality from speed. Explain 223556. Five, so, that's the two, I think it's the, it's the caliber. Oh, yeah. So, it's the caliber, but I forget how they measure it, but it's like the width or something like that. Um, it's the caliber of this gun, and it's a really small bullet. Right, the cartridge is big, but the bullet right. is small. Yeah, surprisingly small projectile comes out of an AR-15. It's essentially a, a heavy two two twenty two. Yeah. It's it, the same diameter as a twenty two. For people that don't know what we're talking about, what actually comes out of the tip of an AR-15 is maybe a tic-tac or two. Yeah. 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 Just which, about. Is, which is crazy yeah, yeah. how much lethality something the size of a tic-tac has. Well, it only weighs, on average, 55 grains. So it's really, really light, the bullet. Yeah. Right, that only weighs 55 grains. It's super light. Um, but so, so this particular firearm, the bullet gets its lethality from speed. So when you shoot a standard, you know, 55 grain, just for the sake of, you know, simplicity out of this 10.3 barrel, you're going to get a muzzle velocity. So that 55 grain bullet is going to be traveling at approximately 2,600 feet per second, which translates to like... I don't know if my math will be right, but it'll be like uh, maybe 1,600 miles an hour, something like that, something crazy. So 1,000 feet per second, don't, 1,000 feet per second is about 700 miles an hour. Yeah, so something like that, right? Super fast. It's going really, really fast. So what will happen is when this bullet hits soft tissue or if it hits a wall or whatnot, it starts to tumble and break away and fragment, and that's what causes, that's what makes this gun so lethal. That's what makes that round so lethal. Right, and that's why the military likes it. Yeah, because of speed. Because a nine millimeter that comes out of a, a handgun is a significantly larger piece of metal traveling down range than an AR-15. It's just not going nearly as fast, right? Yeah, so it's about almost triple the weight at 115 grains for a standard nine millimeter. Out of a five inch barrel, it's traveling just right about a thousand feet per second. Right. Okay. So this is going three times the, the the speed of a nine out of this barrel, right? Um, so <clears throat> back to my original point, sorry. When you attach, so the sound is that bullet and all the gases, uh, exiting the front and causing that sonic boom. That's what you're hearing. So when you put a suppressor on this inside a suppressor, there's chambers like gas chambers, right? They're called baffles. And what it does is when the bullet passes through, it captures that gas and then it suppresses the sound. So it's still going to be loud, but it's going to be less loud. Right. So in order to make it less, in order to make it quiet, you have to be under the threshold of the speed of sound. Right. Which is right around like 900 feet per second. But there's no way you can do that with this particular firearm because it gets this lethality from speed. So if you do that, you're neutering your firearm. Right. It's like putting a limiter on a Ferrari. It's just not the right thing to do. Right. Um, so when you put a suppressor on, it captures all that gas and it, it doesn't slow down the bullet like people think, but it captures that gas and it keeps it from being as loud as it would be without. Because without a suppressor, all that gas just comes out of the muzzle end. Yeah. But a suppressor is designed in a way where it captures that gas. Yeah. Holds it. And your normal suppressor is about the size of like a, <clears throat> like a, a little bit, uh, like a Perrier can, right? Like a, yeah. Like a small energy drink. Oh, like Jocko energy drink. Here we go. I happen Perfect. to be drinking one. It's a, a suppressor is about this size. And unlike the movies, it does not make the round go. T -t 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 no. It's still loud as hell. Yes. But so I highly advocate for suppressors because especially if you live in a home where you have other people living with you, if you, sh if you fire this off and if you haven't tried it, don't, but if you fire this off in an enclosed space, you have immediate, immediate hearing loss. Right. Like irreversible. Like right. you will lose your hearing. Um, at, to some degree. So with the suppressor, what that does is it, it literally protects your hearing, the hearing of your loved ones, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There is, it, there's such a misconception about suppressors and that's why they're evil and that's why they have the extra ATF background check and the tax stamp and all that stuff because 
thanks to the movies, people think like, oh, well, this is what Scott's going to use if he wants to kill somebody in silence. No, it's not in silence. It's <laughs> it's a little less loud, but it's still loud as hell. Yes. Um, but what it does is for the shooter, for the operator, it saves their eardrums a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, when you put a suppressor on this and you shoot it, you, sh- you still shouldn't shoot it without hearing protection, like recreationally. Right. right. But in a self-defense situation, I'm not throwing on my ear pro. Right. You know, um, I'm just going to pick up my gun and go to work. Right. So. Right. Fascinating. So you, you're a big advocate of the suppressor. hundred percent. Yeah. And what is the wait time for those? Cause I filled out all the paperwork. I sent in my stuff to the ATF. <laughs> I paid my 200 bucks or my background, whatever the hell I had to pay. Um, how long is this going to take me for me to get this? We're seeing about six to seven months, six to seven months for the ATF to look at. Here's all the paperwork. Scott's not a criminal, et cetera, et cetera. And go from there. Yeah. Correct. Oh, okay. Crazy. Yeah. All right. What are all the things I forgot? Oh, we got we to gotta talk about this argument. There's a big argument in the gun community right now. 5.56, five, which is the classic NATO-approved round, mil-spec, that's in all the AR-15s, M16s, M4s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's been around for Vietnam War, right? Se- 70 years almost, uh, 60 years. Now the big thing is going to 300 blackout. So can you explain what 300 blackout is and why there's now this huge raging debate in the gun community? You talked me into buying one, 500 bucks. So I'm telling my wife it's 500 bucks. Um, But I bought a new platform that looks and feels very similar to this, almost exactly similar to this, but it's chambered in 300 blackout. Can you explain what that is and why the raging debate in the gun community right now? So it's funny because... uh if my understanding is correct, last time I checked, 300 Blackout was conceived because SOCOM was looking for something that was compact like this, but still produced a uh, an effective, you know, what they were trying to do, right? Lethal. Right. And uh, it suppressed well. So what they came up with was a 300 Blackout round, which is typically, you know, subsonic, 200 and up grain so let's say 200 grains so um, a way way bigger projectile than this yeah it's like a really fat heavy round and so and it's a 30 cal so it's also bigger too it's the same diameter as like a 308 for example okay and it's very similar to this what happens is you 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 put the 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 round is so heavy and moving so slow when you put a suppressor on it's almost movie like quiet i mean i would call it movie quiet hollywood quiet but you know people don't like that term right but it is quiet um it is a it is a caliber that was designed for super secret squirrel stuff inside buildings now 300 blackout achieves a lot of things that 556 is not good at in close quarters one 556223 was always designed to be shot out of like an 18 inch barrel that's why it was conceived so when you shorten it you lose muzzle velocity which then in turn loses bullet stabilization which in turn loses you know the effectiveness of the round right so 300 blackout being oh and over penetration i always forget this one so if you miss hit a drywall it could potentially keep going so what 300 blackout solves is that not only can you have a short package but when you put a suppressor on it not only is it quiet but it's moving so slow that it's effective range within 100 yards and in you don't have to worry about this thing going into a different zip code Got it. Yeah. So it's kind of like people like to call it the 45 of the rifle. So 300 blackout sounds like because it won't go through five walls and shoot your neighbor if you live in suburbia like we do, um, because it's it's much more quiet because the round is going slower, so therefore it's subsonic, and it's a heavier round. So I imagine it has um, more like knockdown power. Yes. Yeah. Um, that might even be a better home defense setup than a 5.56. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which which so there's a lot of there's (laughs) me and my buddy we always get into this but 556 i like to describe this as this is the perfect like when you think of you know the last of us i don't know if you've watched it yet yeah but this would be the perfect ground for that because not only can you reach out but like you don't have to worry about you know shooting your neighbor Right. 300 blackout. all the neighbors have turned into zombies. Correct, yeah. Okay. So 300 blackout was designed for a very specific purpose to engage in close quarters effectively and quietly. And it does it out. It does it really, really well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so if you live in uh, prairie land, if you're out in central Montana or Texas where you might have to engage a target far away because you have a lot of land, 
maybe five, five, six. And then maybe if you live in like urban setting, apartment, suburbia, 300 blackout might be better because I can't even get a line of sight anywhere in Vegas or LA, which are the two places I live. I can't even get a line of sight for more than a hundred yards because there's another building or there's a car or there. Like I'm never going to shoot anything more than 30 yards away from me, most likely. So 300 blackout, the $500 gun you talked me into, definitely a good purchase. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, for example, my personal home defense gun is a 300 blackout with a suppressor on it. And how how long is that, comparatively speaking, to this? With the suppressor? Yeah. Uh, so the total length is 35 inches. Okay, so, so it's, it's a big a, gun. It's about like right here. Okay, not bad then. Because the suppressor, so the one I got was specifically designed to be super quiet with 300 blackout. So Got it's it. a pretty long suppressor, yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. What else did we forget to ask about gun community, working in a gun store, living living this life and being entrenched in it? Oh, we, we covered pretty much all of it. But, you know, it's just for the people that have never tried it, you got to try it. Right. <laughs> it, you just have to. Um, I, I like to use current events as good examples because people get so you know, blinded about, you know, what they believe in or what they should believe in is that, you know, that Nashville shooting, right? Tragic as it was, you have people that want to ban guns because the person used a gun to kill innocent people. But then you have people that applaud the officers for using violence to end violence. You can't have it both ways. I mean, in my mind, you can't have it both ways. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, instead of, you know, trying to ban an inanimate object, you know, you have you have this thing where, like, trampling on millions of people's rights does not, is not a solution because one person acted out of line. Does that make yeah, sense? Totally. Yeah. So what would you say to the people that are like, all right, well, James, you can, you can wave a magic wand and you're in charge. We have to find a solution because, you know, dead citizens is not okay. And maybe they even agree with you. Like, yeah, you can't you can't end violence unless you have violent tools to take care of those violent people. If you could make wave a magic wand, what what is the secret sauce? Like, how do we fix the problem? Or or is it like you said, the cat's already out of the bag because we're America and this is just the trade off for the freedoms we have? Honestly, if I knew the answer, uh, I'd be a politician. Fair. <laughs> don't worry, they don't. None of them have any of the answers either. But it's just, you know. For example, when I, so I travel, well, prior to COVID, I traveled a lot. And every time I'm in, so I like to use Japan as an example, because me and my buddy went and we walked around all night long and not once did I feel like I needed a weapon to protect myself. It's just the culture that they built here. I walk to my mailbox and I'll carry a revolver in my pocket. Right. Um, is it less safe? No, not necessarily, but it's just the, the culture we have here. Okay. Um, you know, people, I don't know what it is. Just people just seem to be more violent here. It, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, right. You know, for example, they did a case study in, um, in Japan, actually, this is pretty funny, but when kids are of age, like, and I'm talking like seven, eight years old, they take public transportation by themselves because Japan as a society has agreed that the children of Japan is the, it's up to the society to take care of the children. Like they will go on the subway, leave the subway, take a city bus, go to school, go home, go wherever they want. And you know, they're not even teenagers yet. That would never happen here. Right. Will never happen anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the within the last 20 years, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, the culture we have here is just the way it is. If it's not guns, it's going to be something else. Right. Okay. And my whole point of this is not like, oh, we should we shouldn't have more checks or whatnot. My whole point is you're you're doing this wrong. And unfortunately, I don't have the right answer. But I know that you're not doing it correctly. Yeah. Right. Because if this was the case, I could as easily turn around and say, like, you know, we should ban cars because DUI people, you know, they kill people, right? right. I, I know a dear friend that died because he was caught in a crash and the guy was drinking, right? Yeah. Or we should ban cars. Should we ban forks because obesity is a thing? No, we could do this forever. 
Okay, we could do this all night long. At the end of the day, it's not the object. It's something has to change, right. whether it be culturally or whatever, but something has to change. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, I wrote this email, sadly, um, about three days before this most recent shooting in Nashville. And uh, I sent it to some friends of mine because we were having some some discussion about guns prior to the Nashville shooting. And it ended up being kind of prophetic. Is that the word? Yeah. Um, and I wrote, I was like, you know, conservatives, not capital C conservative Republicans. I mean, more conservative-based mindset people have been complaining for 30, 40 years of like, oh, you know, I, I listed all this stuff. Like maybe latchkey kids raising themselves, not a great idea. Maybe the, you know, societal norm of single parenthood, not a great idea. Maybe like destroying all the like community and cultural things that tied us together. Church, Boy Scouts, Kiwanis Club, Candy Stripers, all that stuff. You know, we've basically destroyed systematically the last 30 or 40 years. Every conservative, and again, I don't mean Republican, I mean conservative values. We've we've basically torn down every conservative bastion of America, and then we've got like an inordinate amount of kids on psychotropic drugs that we don't really know the long-term effects of. And we've done all these things, and gun ownership rates in America haven't gone up. The AR-15 has been around for a long time. Semi-automatic firearms have been around a long time. But somehow something happened societally where mass shootings went through the roof. And it's like, well, we've got all these societal problems and societal norms that we've basically eliminated. And now we're mad at the gun. And I'm like, this is kind of like somebody showing up at the scene of a car accident. The driver's still bleeding out. There's a massive accident. And you want to take the keys out of the ignition and argue about whether or not he was driving a stick shift or an automatic. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. The problem was what led to the accident not the vehicle or the, the manual transmission versus the automatic transmission that may have contributed to the accident. But it's just, it's just nuts to me because we seem to have a ton of societal problems. And I, every time something like this tragic, like, like Nashville happens, I'm like, cool, man. Opportunity to talk about like young men and their like poor mental health situation or talk about like maybe we're going in a direction of, of societal norms that make these things possible in people's minds. And they're like, nope, nope. It's got to be the 30-round magazine over the 10-round magazine. And I was like, it's not the size of the magazine. Um, so I, I don't know how to bring more awareness to that conversation or where to even start the conversation because uh, I don't want to go back to the 50s. People always accuse me like, oh, so you just want your wife barefoot and pregnant? And it's like, no, none of that. Um, and I think there was, there was some societal tie that prevented kids who always had access to rifles you know, there's famously these school these pictures of like kids taking rifles to school to take shooting class in the gymnasium. Um, but something happened where we have torn down that societal structure where mentally unstable people now think that like shooting up a school should be the norm. And I just I don't get it. It's education. Like it, it is. So funny fact, USPSA mm -hmm. competition shooting was born in Piru, California. Oh. Believe it or not. Interesting. Yeah, it was born in California. And look at California now. Right. right. So it's all about education. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, you know, for example, growing up, my dad, you know, he was always a big gun guy, right? He had guns unsecured in the home, like, you know, hidden away, right? Like any good dad should. <laughs> right. Um, and I know this for a fact, if I ever touched one without permission, take me to jail. Cause like, I don't want to go home. Right. Like, bro. I am cooked. Right. Versus how kids act nowadays, and I'm not generalizing all kids, but in gen, like, as I say that, yeah. Um, but a trend towards how about right, we do that? Where they think it's cool to be super violent this way. For example, they're like, "Oh, we read his manifesto." I'm like, "Who in the world has a manifesto? I don't have a manifesto, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't do that kind of thing." Um, and I, it's just education. I think something has to change culturally. Like, yeah. honestly, that's, it's not something that you can solve by just tacking on legislation. Yeah. So let's leave it on this thought. Um, somebody wants to be a responsible gun owner. Where do they start? Do they just go to their gun store and start shooting the shit with a guy like you? Is there, is there like a general resource online? Would you recommend the NRA? Like where should people jump off if they want to be responsible gun owners? Go on YouTube, watch a bunch of different content figure out good questions, right? Or, you know, 
when 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 you go on YouTube, right? There's a lot of different um, gun tubers that will give you certain types of information. And what you do is you watch the most viewed videos. You watched you watch uh, a couple, you know, different people presenting them. Notice what they talk about. That's the same. Notice what they talk about. That's different. Go into a gun store that has really high uh, reviews, good reviews, and then ask those same questions. Love it. Yeah. I mean, and then you'll you're pretty much getting the best information from all sources. And then once you start doing it, I mean, you'll get a lot of people that are like, oh, I just want to start off on something. Just get the good information, talk to a bunch of people, buy your gun, and just go down and shoot. That's it. Awesome, man. I love it. I'm going to finish with these two questions because we always finish on these two questions. We're actually quite a bit ahead on our podcast recording schedule, so this will probably drop around summer of 2023. Question number one is like, what are you most excited for, either personally, professionally, gun legislation? I don't know. What are you most excited about going into the second half of 2023? And uh, what is your favorite movie and why? So I'm actually excited about how (laughs) it's actually pretty nerdy. So, um, and I actually have an NDA on this, but there's a certain suppressor company that's coming out with a new design that's supposed to be super awesome. And I do have an NDA, so I can't really talk about it. But it's fine. I'm excited. Should be out in three months, right when this video drops. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, maybe I'll buy one. We'll have you back on to like review it. Done. Um, yeah, I'm, I already have one on order, so I can't wait. Perfect. Um, and then my favorite movie of all time is going to be Top Gun, the first one. Nice. I watched that growing up, and I just thought it was the baddest thing anybody can do. Um, it just showed, you know camaraderie brotherhood and it's it's all about the guy next to you and i love that yeah yeah um shout out to my buddy james lomax who actually owns the private school that my kids go to uh he was a top gun pilot and same thing he saw that movie and he's like that's what i'm gonna do and and you know like when kids are like five years old they're like i want to be a fireman i want to be a policeman the only person i ever know who has actually done that besides james is robert my best buddy growing up that's chris's older brother at like five he was like i'm gonna be a fireman and his entire life worked towards being a fireman he's a fireman and james same thing he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna be maverick and he made it man he became a top gun pilot uh flew f-18s we did a whole podcast with him talking about that so if you're interested we'll put a link to that as well but um that's all i love that movie too it's like it's definitely in my top five yeah did so you like the new one i did yeah so did I, I did but you can't knock that first one man yeah i mean that's just what it that's just it did it all yeah i love i love i love both of them like maverick might have even made it into like my top 10 definitely my top 20 because i just thought it was so fun and like a throwback to like classic 80s action movies and oh and they did such a good job simulating the first one into the second yeah with the pictures and the flashback uh man had yeah. me had me going man yeah it was great <laughs> man well dude we really appreciate you being on we went like over two hours without even blinking so uh we're gonna have to have you on for session part two maybe after i take possession of the new 500 hundred dollar gun the yeah. blackout the the 300 blackout with the uh suppressor i'll go put a couple hundred rounds down range and then have you back on to to talk about the next thing i gotta buy i would love that all right man thanks yep